I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Bucs take on the Browns this Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. The Bucs will have a new defensive coordinator. Mike Smith is out. Mark Duffner, the legendary coach, in his own right takes over. And this seems like... Kind of an early must win for Dirk Cutter. Meanwhile, the Browns have lost, what, 23 in a row on the road, but they have a chance against the Bucks with Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick. Mary Kay Cabot is the Browns beat writer for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and she's been doing that since 1990, as long as I've been covering the Bucks. as a matter of fact. If there are two fan bases that share sort of a misery index, well, it's the Bucks and the Browns. I had a chance... Uh, to talk to Mary Kay about Baker Mayfield and so much more. So my interview with her in just a minute. Meanwhile, the Lightning wrapped up a homestand 4-1 start to start the season. Steven Stamkos finally on the board. He gets his first goal and uh, a good beginning for the Lightning. The Boston Red Sox are headed back to the World Series. What a game Thursday night. David Price was the hero. His first postseason win in 12 starts. He pitches Six innings, no runs, three hits, nine strikeouts on just three days rest. We have all that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Burstink. Before we get started on this podcast, hey, friends, go see our buddy Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. They want you to have the best time ever shopping for diamonds. So for our listeners only, Andy is offering a limited time 20% off on all jewelry prices. That's right. So whether you seek a statement piece, like maybe a gorgeous diamond necklace, or maybe you're on the quest to find that perfect engagement ring, well, Andy is going to give you his undivided attention. Come into Continental Wholesale Diamonds today and score big with 20% off on all jewelry purchases. It's where I shop, Continental Wholesale Diamonds. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. All right, so Steve, it's the uh, the Bucks and the Browns uh, this Sunday at Raymond James Stadium, and I got to tell you, for both these teams, but especially for Tampa Bay, I mean, when you think about they are one-two in the you know the length of time that it's been since really either team has made the playoffs. This is a must-win or as close to that as I can imagine with the Bucks. I mean, you fire Mike Smith, you know, you you go ahead and appoint. Mark Duffner as your defensive coordinator and you know you're playing a Browns team that is is good enough to win but just starting to win with the number one overall pick in their of their own in Baker Mayfield and I really believe I mean this is a game I think that the the Bucks should win they should feel good about winning but yet you can't trust their defense you don't know exactly what the changes will be um, at this point and when you think about rookie quarterbacks, normally teams win about 65% of the time against rookie quarterbacks. For the Bucks, how about this stat? Since 2011, the Bucks are 1-10. and 10. Let me repeat that. They are 1-10 and 10 against rookie quarterbacks. That's unbelievable. Ouch. That's, 
Yeah. So, it flies in the face of everything. And and Baker, you know, is good enough. Um, you know, he's he's really been very good, I thought. Now the last couple of weeks, he's been sacked about five times in the last two games, um, each each of the last two games. They've done a good job of kind of containing him, you know, keeping him in, in the pocket, but you know, the way he gets rid of the ball, the sort of the, the sort of the swagger that he has. This will not be an easy game for their defense. And on top of everything else, as bad as things are going defensively, it looks to me like as we sit here today, that Gerald McCoy probably won't play in this game. And Benny Curry is out for sure. So two of your your starting defensive linemen, you know, on a defense that only has nine sacks to begin with, are probably going to be out. Okay. And then you have Carlton Davis, um, who may come back, but Jordan Whitehead now looks like he could be out. So you could have, you know, more injuries at the safety position where you might have to play Isaiah Johnson, who started against the Chicago Bears, and that was a disaster. This thing is far from uh, a lock for for the Bucks, but I'm telling you, this game is in my mind based on how they played and, you know, losing to Atlanta, this is the one that's going to turn the season because, you know, you, you need to get back to 500 and everything is possible. If they lose, Steve, I'm telling you, the wheels are coming off over there at One Buck Place. Well, their next three games after this one are against teams with winning records. At, yeah. the, at the Bengals, at the Panthers, and then the Redskins at home. Mm-hmm. So you'd really like to get this game to get back to 3-3. Three and three. Right. Um, it's against the Browns, who, as you said, 20, what, 23 losses in a row on the road. Rookie quarterback. But, yeah, the, the defensive uh, injuries are starting to mount now. Not to mention you're down a coach on the defensive side, too. You are. Although that's yeah, a Yeah, Duffner's going to continue to coach linebackers. You know, I didn't, you know, I didn't really dive into Mark Duffner's history until, you know, they gave him this, um, this, this sort of assignment, if you will. And when you look at Duffner, it's fascinating to me that this guy truly is a legendary coach. First of all, he's well-liked by everybody at One Buck Place. The players, um, whether you're on offense, defense, special teams, everybody over there knows Mark Duffner. And when I say they know him, like typically, you know, when you play defense, you pretty much don't have a lot of interaction with offensive coaches and vice versa because you're in your own sort of group. With Duffner – he 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 blurs all the lines, you know. He's a guy that gets to know everybody on the football team and is known for big bear hugs and being really positive all the time. Um and so universally, like you talk to a player, whether he's been there a year or a couple of years, and they all love this guy. And his story is compelling. I mean, it really is. You know, he was he was a legendary um, college football coach, especially at the Division One AA um, level at Holy Cross. He's in the Holy Cross Hall of Fame. I think they named the coach's office after him. And, you know, people talk about sort of how, wow, this is a tough position to be in, right? I mean, you're, you're replacing Mike Smith. Um, you, you only have a couple days to sort of prepare – you know, for the Cleveland Browns and what spin are you going to really put on this defense? What handprint can you have? And it's emotional because Duffner worked with Mike Smith in Jacksonville with Dirk Cutter. Um, You know, the two of them are friends. 
and yet, you know, he's been tabbed by Cutter to be, you know, sort of Smith's replacement. So it's there's a, there's a lot going on. But if you look at Duffner's history, he had it much worse one time. At 33 years old, he was an assistant coach at Holy Cross, and they had a head coach there who was uh, very popular and, you know, a guy that was up and coming, went through some bouts of depression, uh, had a bunch of cancer in his family, had a losing season, um, was depressed. He couldn't get out of his contract. Holy Cross went to non-scholarships. And lo and behold, um, this coach committed suicide. And that's how Mark Duffner took over the Holy Cross program and soared with it. I mean, he was remarkable, you know, even though it's at the lower level. Eventually got the head coaching job at Maryland and has spent, I don't know, 22, 25 years in the NFL since then. So, you know, like I said, as difficult as this is, he's been through much, much worse. And I was impressed by sort of talking to players, Steve, at just how beloved this guy is. Now, does that mean that he's going to call it better, that he'll be, you know, that much better than Mike Smith? Not necessarily. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, well, why not Brenson Buckner, who's never been a coordinator? Why not, um, you know, John Hoke, who did it at South Carolina? I just think that Dirk has a certain trust level, you know. And the one thing I like about, you know, when you think about Duffner is that he's not going to call it from the press box, as Mike Smith did. And there's, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I've known coaches that have done both. In fact, I've known coaches that did both in their own careers. So, you know, there's certainly an advantage to being up high, um, seeing the, you know, the things up there in terms of, you know, formations or coverage or whatnot. But Duffner, this makes sense to me because he's such a hands-on guy. And he said, you know what, I want to be where the action is. I want to talk to players. I want to interact with them. And that's sort of what he's all about. So in I've a never weird underst- way. I've never understood why coordinators – Particularly, like, for instance, with the Bucks, Dirk's an offensive guy. Mm-hmm. So if your offensive coordinator's up in the Bucks and Dirk's down on the field, or uh, up in the box, Dirk's down on the field, then you've got an offensive guy down there that can talk to players, kind of get the feel for what's going on. You know, I mean, you, you have the phone communication between the, the you know, oh, the press sure. box and that, but it's not the same. If, you don't, if your head coach isn't a defensive guy, then your defensive coordinator should be on the field. And defense is so much more about emotion sometimes. Sometimes, and I, th- yeah. I think, you know, I think being on that field helps. I mean, I, I get, you know, seeing from above and you have other coaches up there, but I, I always thought defensive coordinators, particularly if you're, if your head coach is an offensive guy should be on the field. Yeah, because I agree because I think communication is such a big deal. You know, you need, you need guys to come off the field and tell you directly. And let's face it, there's only so many guys with a headset down there. They can't just all talk. Mm-hmm you know, to Mark Duffner. But if he's on the sideline and they want to grab hold of him, you know, between series, you know, he can certainly get the message. So I kind of like the idea that he's going to be downstairs. I think it's critical for them right now. Um, Look, I, again, I don't think that, you know, he's going to turn them into the 85 bears and really there's, you know, it's Mike Smith's defense still, and they've got injuries. They're beat up. So there's a lot of things that are going to affect it, but I, you know, in talking to him, like I kind of, I mean, I kind of like the guy. I don't know what he's going to do on third down. I don't know what he's going to do, dial up more pressure, or there will be a sort of a tangible difference. And and frankly, there may not be. But 
you know, we started to see them evolve last week, and, you know, I'm willing to give them a chance. If they can't, again, the Browns are a run-centric team. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of good outside receivers. They've got Landry, who gets doubled a lot. Yeah, they cut their best and one, or then traded him to New England. They Josh traded Gordon. Josh Gordon, right, and they had enough of him. And that's so Browns-like in a way. Um, so, you know, Baker Mayfield, the last couple of weeks, I mentioned that like, he – He's really effective when he gets outside the pocket. He's good getting rid of the ball. Um, he'll read things out and, it, and he'll throw with anticipation. It's been it's been very good. But you know he's a rookie, and even though the Bucks have not fared well against them, that still need they need to make that their advantage. You know, if you're Mark Duffner, like you need to dial some stuff up that he hasn't seen before, and at minimum you need to keep him in the pocket because where he's really, really strong is when he can escape and, he, you know, make plays on the run or, or you know, use extend plays and, and make throws down the field. But um, I'm inter- it's a good matchup. I mean, you think about it. You get the number one overall pick, you know, this year, and then Jameis Winston, who is sort of restarting his career, who was the number one overall pick. So – I love the matchup, Browns Bucks. There's a, there's there's a lot of bad bad things that have happened to these two franchises, and um, you know, it, it it should be a really good game. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Baker Mayfield because you know I can I was never one who thought that he was first you know pick material overall, though he's done very well in Cleveland so far, um, and and it's kind of changed kind of who he is and the way he's. Um, carried himself and, and he has Mary Kay right. Cabot talked about that and you'll hear You're that coming right. up that you know even since the senior bowl when he didn't carry himself very well mm-hmm. and wasn't thought very highly of um, he's really kind of changed himself and, and they brought Chad Pennington in to to help him with that and talk to him and 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 you know now he acts like a you know a stereotypical NFL quarterback but the way he carries himself and he's very well liked among his teammates and and you know accountable and um so I, i'm really curious to see him and and you know what the bucks defense can do and exactly what mark duffner is going to change i mean is it going to be the same defense or are they going to press a little more is there going to are they going to simplify things um, yeah you know how exactly is you know you can only change so much in the middle of the season especially when you didn't even have the bye week to do it in right um you're doing it you know in one week's time but you know you can either simplify things or throw things out or just focus on a few good things. And, you know, um, as I heard someone mention, you know, Tony Dungy used to always say, let's stop trying to do everything well. Let's do one or two do things less. well. Yeah. yeah. Let's do one or two things really well. And, mm-hmm. you know, because you're not going to fix everything at once. That's not how it, you know, it doesn't work that way. So it, it no. should be a good match. It, it It's not a must win. I mean, you know. It's you're, close, you're, you're though. You're two and four. You can still – you can still make headway, but looking at the upcoming schedule for the next couple of weeks, um, knowing the division you're in, you know, it, it really, I mean, the Browns feels like a must win game. I mean, you don't want to, you know, if the Saints win, now they're five and one and you're, you know, two and four. Yeah. You don't want to be that far back. You don't want to be three games back already. Yeah. What's interesting is that, you know, the Browns, with all the losses that they've had in a row, they actually see this game as one they can get, you know, and that's mm-hmm. that's how confident they are. And they have some good pieces. Um, but you're right. I mean, the Bucks, you know, they're they're running out of chances and they they can be fine at three and three, doesn't knock them out of anything. 
And I really, I mean, I expect Jameis Winston to play well. You know, we talked to Todd Munkin today, or, or I'm sorry, yesterday, and, and, you know, he talked about how Jameis played. And, of course, a lot was made of, you know, the interception he had late in the game. And, you know, I talked to Adam Humphreys and some others about that. It was like, look, if he throws that ball two inches higher, you know, it's a touchdown and it's over. And you know what? They've had a couple balls, like, bounce off helmets. Um, and th- that was one of them. So, you know, it's kind of unfortunate. But, you know, overall, I mean, Jameis, Jameis played pretty well. I mean, if you talk to Monk and he says, look, the guy was accurate. Um, you know, he moved the team. He had almost 400 yards, four touchdowns. You can't take away a couple throws, but every team has those throws. Mm-hmm. You know, if the Bucks, if the Bucks stopped them, Steve, either at the end of the half when they had the ball at the 26 with about 26 seconds left, they go down for a field goal, um, or, you know, they go punt, punt, punt to start the second half, and they go touchdown, field goal, and that was the 57-yarder, I think, from Matt Bryant. You know, they're going to win that game, and Jameis is the hero. You know, Jameis is going to take them back down the field. They're going to kick a field goal, and the game is over. And that's the thing that's sort of been missing. You know, he's lost 10 out of 11 games, but how many of those did he have to try to come back? How many of those did he bring them back, and it still wasn't enough? No, Jameis was Jameis. I mean, you know, yeah, he had the one the one interception. You really can say, okay, he shouldn't. You know, you like that one back, but sure, all the improvements we saw in the preseason, all the improvements we've talked about, wanting to see out of him, he yep. played a good game against the he Falcons. Did. Uh, the defense dug him into a deep hole. Uh, mm-hmm. They chased points all game because Canton Zaro missed an extra point. Right. You know, if, if they kick two extra points out of the touchdowns that they missed and then went for two and missed, it's a three point game at the end. And then you're kicking a field goal, not trying to, you know, throw the, you know, run the play, the hook and ladder, or, you know, whatever you want to call that play. That's right. Um, you only need a field goal at that point. You were in range. Um, you know, it's shades of, it was what, game four or five last year against New England when they couldn't kick a field goal and lost the game. Um, you know, Jameis was not the reason that they lost that game last week. No, no, no. And, and he looked, a, he, he looked, all the improvements we've talked about, you saw a lot of that in that game. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, here's the thing. When you, when you think about, like, the turnovers he, he's had, I mean, I think only – he may have more at this point, but him and Eli Manning, you know, are the kings of turnovers. And a lot of that has been fumbles and, and whatnot. So, you know, clearly he has to protect the football. But, I mean, he was so close to, to throwing a touchdown that would have won the game. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, those things, those things are going to happen. I think he'll be better – you know, out the second time and being at home. You know, this team has not played at Raymond James for some time. I mean, it's been a while. So I think they're going to enjoy that. And, look, I, I picked the Bucks to win. I, I just don't think that the Browns are quite yet where the Bucks are in terms of their development. They've done it a different way. They mm-hmm. have good defensive players. They just don't have a lot around Baker Mayfield. You well, know? I, I, think, I think the biggest key to this game is going to be the turnovers. Absolutely. You know, if the Browns if the Browns get a few turnovers from Jameis and or you know receivers or running backs fumbling it Oof. and create short fields for Baker, yeah, you know they can dig it. They you know the Bucks can be in a hole again if if they can limit the turnovers because the Browns uh, are one of the best in, in turnovers in, in in the NFL, if not the best this year. Yeah, they are the best. They got sixteen okay. takeaways, and they thrive on that. And that's sort of become what defenses need to do. I mean. You know, we talk about, you know, the Bucks and being, you know, the worst in terms of yardage and whatnot. 
And yards don't matter anymore. I mean, it's really can you take the ball away? I mean, that's what defenses have, have sort of, you know, emphasized because teams are going up and down the field with them. Yeah, and I, I think the two biggest things that you see in the NFL now is it's the defense, it's all about turnovers. And when you get mm-hmm. them in third and long, not letting them convert. Yep. That when they get off schedule, when they – through a penalty or, uh, you know, they get nothing on first down, they get behind schedule, can you stop them then? You know, they get three, four yards on first down, three, four yards on second down, they're getting the first down. And, and you just know that and you move on. You know, it, it's it's can you be opportunistic with turnovers and can you stop third and long? Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And, and the turnovers – if you go back to the Saints game where, you know, everybody sort of held serve, it, it's become like a tennis match. When they when they turn the ball over and you score, it's game over sometimes. And, you know, that's what it was at, at 48-40 to 40 in New Orleans. So, look, I'm, I'm excited to see this game. I'm, I, I really want to see Baker Mayfield up close. I know the Browns are confident and they've got some things going on and um, good for them. You know, it's good to have the Browns back. There's a big history between the Browns and the Bucks that – a lot of parallels, uh, a lot of misery between those two teams. So we'll have a, ch- a chance to talk to uh, Mary Kay Cabot here in just a minute. And don't, forget, don't Steve, forget, too, don't forget, too, that going into the season, remember, Jameis missed the first three games for suspension. And a lot of people right. thought, and, and us on this podcast, that 0-3 was a real possibility. Oh, yeah. That if you would have said you'd been 3-3 three and three after having Jameis miss the first three and your next two, next two were on the road at Chicago and Atlanta, Chicago we knew yeah. would be improved, maybe not to the level they've been, particularly right. on defense, and you didn't know they trade for Khalil Mack. But the Falcons right. you thought were going to be better than they are, and that was going to be a tough game at Atlanta. That if you mm-hmm. could say after Cleveland you were going to be 3-3, three and three, you, weren't, you weren't upset. Now, no. winning the first two and losing three in a row heading into this changes – your perception of it because of, sure. you know, it's kind of a, you know, what have you done for me lately? Or, you know, what's the last thing I saw, but three and three is, is, is fine for this team and, and they can still achieve all their goals and, and what they're trying to do, make the playoffs this year at three and three, two and four becomes much tougher, particularly in this division. Yeah. And especially if you've lost four in a row, I mean, that's the thing you have to stem the tide. You cannot be a streaky team, you know, streaky bad, especially, and that's that's sort of and you don't want to be one work. and two at home. No, no, no. You know, you've got to, you know <laughs> if you want to make the playoffs, you got to win at least six year home games. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, one team that's winning their home games is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They wrapped up their homestand four and one. Steve, you were there. Steven Stamkos gets his first goal. Hallelujah! That's he can still beautiful feed the, from uh, Kucherov right in the right where Stamkos should shoot more often right in the slot. I know, and that's that is absolutely his his spot. So, what do you make of the of the Lightning? I mean, I, I look, they haven't dominated teams, but man, they know how they know what winning time looks like. It just seems to me that you know they're a confident group. Mm-hmm. They're not going to panic, and they have a great goaltender that keeps them in things. And it, it just feels like when they play, Steve, you expect them to win every game. You know what I'm saying? I think in looking at this team, they have have put a tremendous focus on defense this year, particularly special teams, where yeah, for they've sure. killed off the first 23 power plays. Or that's in, in their that's case, incredible to me. Yeah, yeah. that's and, and first of all, giving up 23 in five games is not good. It's not good. But then you've right. killed all 23 off. Right. Um, 
I think they've put such an emphasis on improving, particularly the penalty kill, but even the defense as a whole, that I think it's, I don't want to say hurting their offense, but I, I think there's, I think there's been a renewed emphasis last year. You know, they weren't happy with the defensive performance, particularly the coaching staff, which is never happy if you're not playing defense. But I think I think that's some of it. I think I, I really like the line changes. I like breaking up Stamkos and Kucherov, um, although they were on the ice together when Stamkos scored his goal. Um, I, I think it's I think it's a confident team, and, and I think they're I don't want to say easing into the season, but. I think they're they're finding their way and 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 knowing it's a grind, um, but they're they're finding ways to win. I mean, and, and they're playing well defensively. Vasilevsky's been great. Louis Domingue was fantastic the other night in his first start. Um, I, I think you know this is they're showing that they have more talent than than the teams they're playing on the ice. I mean, Detroit's not a very good team. Um, they're giving no. up they're giving up too many penalties, and that's going to bite them at some point. And we'll see how they play on the road. I mean, this is a Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Five-game trip in eight days. Two back-to-backs in this trip. I think mm-hmm. uh, Cooper was saying in his post game, and I, and I haven't looked at the schedule recently, but this may be the longest road trip this year in terms of number of days. Wow, um, that's what he said in the in the post game after Thursday's game. Um, you know, went two back to backs in this trip, so now we'll really—I mean, they haven't had a back to back yet this season, so um, we'll kind of see how they respond. Ryan Callahan was back on Thursday, which yeah, that was good to see. Yeah. He gets a lot of criticism, mostly because of the size of his contract and his number of goals he scores, but you know, I continue to say it, you know, when he's on the ice, the lightning are a different team. I I think he oh, yeah. truly is the heart and soul of that team that they play. They play at a different, particularly physical level, but just mm-hmm. energy level when he's on the ice and to have him back is in a way ahead of schedule. I mean, initially they were saying November 1st and he's back on October 18th. So that was a good thing to have on the ice. Of course, that meant Corey Conacher got sent down to Syracuse, and uh, Danik Martell is uh, doing a conditioning stint in Syracuse for the next couple of weeks. So, And Adam Ernie was out of the lineup because Callahan was back. But, you know, when you start talking about the Lightning, and everyone knows their top couple lines are fantastic. But think of their fourth line now. It's Cedric Paquette, JT Miller, and Ryan Callahan. Not bad. Ryan Callahan, former captain of the Rangers, you know, scored 20, 25 goals in season. JT Miller's a top six forward. That that's when that's your fourth line, you got a lot of talent on your team. And we you know do. they do. And, and, we know they do. And but. here's the thing, like Cooper's not afraid to use them. The other night he said that he thought, you know, that he wore the, wore them down because, you know, he was playing all four lines and mm-hmm. Towards the end of the game, you know, the other team starts going. Yeah, with Car- three. Carolina I mean, had shortened their bench and were kind of running three lines, and and he yeah. thought they ran out of gas. Where the Lightning are just cycling four lines. Yeah, I mean, the other night, uh, you know, I can remember Sergachev made a couple pretty bad errors Tuesday night. A lot of puck giveaways and and just not making some good decisions. He had a he had a bad game. I mean, and that happens, especially young defensemen. But right, um, and, and I remember. 
you know, Phil Esposito even saying he may not play many shifts in this third period. And but Cooper kept sending him out there every third, every third defensive line shift. He wasn't shortening his bench. He was running everybody out there. And they're doing that with the offensive lines too. And that's gonna that's gonna pay off later in the season. I mean, you know, the more the more, you know, the less minutes that, you know, from Hedman and particularly on some of the def- defenders are playing every game, but even the Stamkos is in that. The less minutes they can play every night, you know, I mean, let's face it, this team, it's all about how they're going to do in the playoffs. I mean, it's, it, it's never a foregone conclusion you're going to make it, but barring something crazy, they should make it. I mean, the, every night, they're, with the exception of maybe a couple games, they're going to be the most talented team on the ice. And that's debatable. Yeah, and what I a like about games, it, they may not be. They they take care of business too. I mean, they know they're good, and mm-hmm. if they can stay relatively healthy, I think they're going to have a great year. But it's a good start. If you know, hey, we got you know five game homestand, five days off after the opener. You managed to go four and one. Yeah, the schedule's been damn. weird too. So, yeah, it's just choppy, mm-hmm. choppy. You know, yeah, I mean, you no play your rhythm. first five games in twelve days. Now you're going to play five games in eight days. Yeah. You know, yeah, so that just, doesn't that that doesn't make sense to me. And and, and road trips, road trips can be good for for teams. I mean, you know, they may not come out with you know in the same five games, they may not come out with eight points like they did the first five at home. But from a team bonding perspective, from a, a focus perspective, and that sometimes getting away can help things too, and really kind of solidify your team. Although most of these players are have you know been together for years now. I mean, that you know that's the other amazing part in the salary cap era how the Lightning's team is doesn't change much from year to year. That's going to start to change a little bit over the next few years now, but but for the most part, it's you know Matthew Joseph this year. It's basically Matthew Joseph in for Chris Kunitz this year, pretty much. Not and a Ad, bad and Adam deal. Ernie's up there too, but I mean, you know, it's there, there's not a lot of change on the team, which allows for a lot of consistency. Yeah, no, I'm excited. They're off to a good start, and that's the way they should be. Vasilevsky look good again uh, in net, and um, yeah, so they go on the road and. We'll see. Uh, this this first road trip is uh, fairly lengthy, so we'll see how they fare it's there. It's a bizarre trip too, because so you go to Minnesota and Chicago, where it might be cold and snowing at this point. Oh yeah. Uh, so you get a back to back there. Then you go to Colorado with the high altitude, which can cause some issues and stuff. And then you go to the desert. You go to Vegas and Arizona for back to back. So just kind of, you know, so you're in several different time zones and different climates and, and stuff. So it's it's a kind of a weird road trip in that way in eight days to. You're kind of in the you know the the north where it's, it can be colder than your high altitude than the desert, right? In Las Vegas, you know, <laughs> they always benefit. It seems. Now they're the off team. to a rough start this year, so they are. Yeah, they are. I kind of wonder, you know, I mean the the home the home ice advantage for Vegas that you know everyone talked about last year, and you know Vegas. I don't know if they finished the season this way, but deep into the season, they hadn't lost to a team at home that had a night off before the game in Vegas. Right. Like if a team exactly. was if a team was on a back to back, played in like LA the night before and came in. Yeah, they're that going was to different. the casino but, and then but, they get their ass kicked. But anybody yeah. anybody who had a night off in Vegas the night before they hadn't lost. Now, maybe by the end of the season they did, but this was pretty late in the season that had it held true. But I wonder now it's year two and year three where the players, okay, we've done this. We don't have to, you know, go out and party or, you know, not saying they don't have fun, but you know, maybe you know, go to the bunny ranch. Yeah. yeah or, you know, um, you know, I, you know, you just wonder if that's going to continue to hold up the first year. It's kind of that novelty of, Hey, we get to go to Vegas in the middle of the season. This is fantastic. You know, that now it's year two and then three and four. And if it's, you know, 
I won't say old hat because I mean you know they like and the players like to go out and have dinner and and whatever in these cities oh, sure. and, and that's fantastic. But you know maybe it's toned down a little bit now that the novelty can wear off. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And uh, we'll wrap it up uh, before we get to Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, the Boston Red Sox, Steve, they're back in the World Series. And I'll be honest with you, to me, the game of the series really occurred on Wednesday night when the Red Sox took a 3-1 to lead. That was the one that was back and forth and, I mean, literally could go any way. Was it and Wednesday then... night or Thursday morning? Because that game took forever. <laughs> it was late. Well, you know what's funny is that I was exhausted, so I kind of took a little bit of a nap unwittingly. And then when I woke up, it was like the fifth or sixth inning. And I'm thinking, well, this will be over soon. And the damn thing went forever, but I couldn't stop watching. It was so compelling. Look, the Red Sox deserved to go. They they stole a game, um, I think, uh, you know, in that series. And really, the difference to me has been that outfield, you know. The Red Sox outfield is just remarkable to me. Yo, I mean, well, for Mookie Betts, first of all, is one of the best players in baseball. Oh, um, sure. Ben Intendi has played a phenomenal outfield. I mean, the play he makes, Steve, if he does mm-hmm. not make that diving stop, yep. that's two runs to tie it potentially. That's, I think that gives up the lead. That ball gets by him. I think they give it up, too. Because Tony, Kemp yeah. Tony Kemp's fast, and he was running on the pitch from first. Right, right. Yeah, yeah they're down in that game if he, if he misses that. And he said, yeah. you know, he said, if, if I didn't think, if I, if I wasn't certain I had it, I wasn't diving. Because oh, he, he knows that ball it. It can't get by. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, phenomenal play. Well, yeah. and, and then how oh, about that... the home run? The home run that should have oh, wasn't country boy, country Joe West. I mean, trying to make that decision. You know. Well, first of all, where he's at, how you make that call? I don't know how you make it because you bought a damn ticket. Here's the thing. I'm not saying I it was a not, wrong call, but I'm saying how do you uh, – there's no – I think it was. I, I think it was too. I mean, my thing is you bought a ticket, you know, and you made a good point before the podcast. Look, if you don't want people to interfere, move them the hell back off the fence. Mm-hmm. I mean, one or two rows is not that hard. Well, here, here's, right? the other, here's the other thing, okay, and, and in this age of litigious society, whatever else, and, and, and I, believe me, I'm not – saying this should happen, but before every baseball game, they run an announcement. You know, yep. please be aware in the stands. Balls come into the stand, whatever else. So you're in the outfield there, and the ball's coming right at you. You're not supposed to reach out your hands to try to catch it or stop it from hitting you? Right. I mean, they tell you to do that. Now, I mean, that's the, the least of the arguments, but you're going to put the fans right there in, in the line of play. Then you got to live with the consequences. You can't be – and you can't make a call hoping you got it right. Because they have no idea if it was actually over the line or not. They don't have no, a camera angle an set angle. up anywhere to do it. Yeah. No one, except maybe the couple people out there, have any, clue, have, have any idea whether it was over that line or not. And what I, what I don't like... And you're like, deciding like, a playoff game on that. Yeah, absolutely. And what I don't like, like, sort of when in doubt, <laughs> you know, maybe lean towards the player that hit the ball... You know, damn near, if not over the fence. Like, I don't know why we're rewarding. And a lot of people are like, "Well, he would have caught it." And I don't know if he catches that. Yeah, but once you go in the stand, once cl- you go in the stands, I believe there's no rule of you can't touch it. I mean, the player goes no. dive into the stands, and a fan catches it. It there's no consequence to it. That's right. That's right. I, I 
I don't know. I I wish they had a better camera angle. It's it's sad to think that that became such a big play. But I'm telling you, look out. I mean, this Red Sox team well, is not. Well, they I mean, were the they best team special. in baseball all year. They were the by far by the far. best team in baseball. Yeah. I thought the Houston oh, yeah. pitching staff would be enough to stop them. So did in I. The series, and we were both wrong on that. And they should they should demolish whoever comes out of the National League. Now, that's why you play the game. You don't know, but they're that much more talented than both those teams. Milwaukee or yeah, LA. they truly are. Yeah. It's it's been a great year, and then you know all the Tampa Bay Rays have to do is load it up and try to beat those guys and the Yankees to try to get into the postseason. Man, they got a good young young baseball team. These are not guys that are going uh, going anywhere. Yeah, the the, the Red Sox and Yankees aren't built the same way they used to be, where it was just buy all the free agents. No, they they built a farm system and brought up young players. That yeah, I mean it, the the Rays' work is cut out for them for the next few years. Although you know they've got a good core and heck, they won ninety games in that division this year. Right, and you got to figure that you know if you win ninety again, that you'll be, you know, a little closer than you were this year. I mean, they can't always win a hundred. Well, had you had you won ninety, you know, the year before, you were in the playoffs, in the wild card, but you were in the playoffs. This year, you yeah. just, you just didn't happen to be. It was a crazy year in the American League. That's absolutely right. So let's wrap it up with this. Um, I had a chance to talk to Mary Kay Cabot. Now, I've known Mary um, since I started covering the Bucks. you know, in 1990. She was sort of like uh, working for the Cleveland Plain Dealer with Tony Grossi, who then, then moved on. And if you're a Bucks fan and you, you're a woe-is-me kind of person, listen to Mary Kay because I'm telling you, you know, the, the commonality, the common thread between – organizations that don't consistently win is this sort of I don't know habit or whatnot of change the coach change the quarterback you know and in the case of the Browns they've had you know oodles of quarterbacks um, you know throughout the years but the ones that they were counting on even though if they were taken in the first round were not guys that were typically taken you know in the first half of the first round. So, and certainly not number one overall that they have in Baker Mayfield. So there's so many parallels and so many things that have happened to the Bucks and the Browns. Again, you know, two teams that uh, are the oldest and not having gone to the postseason. So I had a chance to, uh, to catch up with uh, Mary Kay Cabot to talk about Baker Mayfield and, and, and her, you know, thoughts about his prospects for being successful as an NFL quarterback. So here's some thoughts from Mary Kay Cabot about the Cleveland Browns. You went through the last two years, 1-15 in and 0-16. and I can't imagine. I know only one other beat writer in Detroit, Nick Cassensis, that, that, you know, that went through that. Um, was there any hope? I mean, Hugh Jackson's still here. It's remarkable to me that, it, that he was 1-31, but, you know, he, he endured it. They got a new GM. So far, so good with Baker Mayfield and some of the guys they've drafted, and it looks like this thing may actually work. Well, I mean that that that's the hope. I mean they they do have uh, some significant talent on the football team right now, but it's all gonna a lot of it's gonna come down to how successful Baker Mayfield can be. Now, the reason why yeah. Hugh survived is because the Browns tried this, you know, all analytic front office approach, and they left yeah. out a key missing that was a smart, strong talent evaluator who had ever assembled a winning roster. They just, you know, that's why 
they passed on Carson Wentz and Michael Thomas in that draft. Yeah. And if you look, if you look at that draft, what they got for um, Carson Wentz, it's just it was not worth it to do, not even close to being worth it. I mean, you just don't pass on a franchise quarterback back like that. Right. That was a huge setback for this football team. And they may recover from it with Baker, but, you know, they didn't need to put the town or the team or anybody through uh, through those two years. And, and here's the, the biggest, biggest uh, misconception about those years. Trashy Brown did not try to tank. He was not trying to tank. He was not trying to take the team down to the studs. That did not happen. That's not what he was trying to do. He was trying to um, acquire a lot of draft picks and a lot of of tax space so that he could build the team with you know a lot of resources. But the problem was he just did he just squandered those resources. He wasn't trying to tank. I mean, he he just did a horrible job of building the roster because he did not have an experienced evaluator at the highest levels. He just did not have that. And that's what that whole thing is. I, you know, people keep saying, oh, they took it down to the studs. No, they didn't. It was a 3-13 and team that he took over. I mean, right. it, wasn't that far, it wasn't that far to go. He tried to make the team better, and he just failed at that. He, he succeeded at acquiring cap space and draft picks. You know, that was a major goal of his, and he did do right. that. But you didn't need all those draft picks. If you had drafted wisely, if you had drafted Carson Wentz and Michael Thomas that year, you, you, you didn't need 14 draft picks that year, that most of them are out of football now, or off the team now. Those years were a disaster, and everybody wants – it's revisionist history that they can't. Deshaun Kaiser wasn't ready to start 15 games last year. Maybe Pat Mahomes would have been, but, you know, they passed on him. It was a bad couple of years in terms of what happened with this team, and that's why, you know, Jimmy and Dee felt like they did not give Hugh Jackson a fighting chance. He, he had to start Cody Kessler for eight games in 2016, and then he had to start Deshaun Kaiser last year. So I think they felt like, you know, he was trying to coach with his hands tied behind his back. What have you liked about Baker Mayfield so far and about this current Browns team? I like his pinpoint accuracy. I like his arm talent. I like the way he's carried himself. Um, he's gotten things turned around since at the Senior Bowl when he did not handle himself well. You know, he, he just did not handle – he just was not the face of a franchise at the Senior Bowl. He just was not. I don't care what anybody wants to say. He was not there. there. He was not in a good place. He didn't seem like he wanted to be there. And they had to get a guy like Chad Pennington to get him to get him turned around and to get his attitude right because he just wasn't putting his best foot forward in terms of the job interview piece of it. But he's gotten that all kind of turned around and in, in short order. And it's very impressive how he realized that, that, you know, he just was making a mistake with how he – was acting. He wasn't doing the things that you would expect a franchise quarterback to do there. But ever since then, he says all the right things in press conferences. He's working yeah. his tail off. His teammates love him. 
Mm-hmm. He's funny. He's engaging. He he's great with the media. He's he's taking the blame for everything. I mean, he doesn't have a receiving core right now. I mean, he just right. does. In the middle of this, you know, trying to get it together this season, you know, they ended up having to trade Josh Gordon. They got to the end of their rope with Josh Gordon. They were just done. They they just that was it. He came in that one Saturday morning before the Saints game, and you know, I've written this that you know that he. They didn't feel like he was himself. They felt like they had done all they could for him from a substance abuse standpoint and a recovery standpoint, and that they were just done. So they traded him, and they basically gave him away. Well, he was their number one ex. I mean, that's like the Steelers just trading Antonio Brown right before the season. Or, you know, anyone's best receiver. So, you know, right now they have Jarvis, but Jarvis really isn't a number one receiver per se. Um, you know, he's not an X guy. Um, so they're putting Baker Mayfield out there right now, and they've had, they've had injuries and things like that. But they're putting Baker Mayfield out there right now without a good enough supporting cast, and it, it's hurting him. It's hurting him, but he's, you know, he's handling that well. You know, he's not complaining about it. He just keeps on saying, i got to throw a better ball. i got to deliver a better pass. You know, he's not connecting with Jarvis Landry at all. In his three starts, he and Jarvis have connected 11 of 29 targets. Wow. So 114 minutes on TV. Teams are doubling Jarvis because they haven't had anything else. They thought they could rely on this young fourth-round pick, Antonio Callaway, and he just hasn't been ready yet. I mean, he just hasn't been ready. He needs time and seasoning and, and consistency. And, you know, he has a very checkered past. And John Dorsey takes chances on guys like that. And a lot of times it works out. A lot of times it works out perfectly. But, you know, it, sometimes these guys are a work in progress. And Antonio Callaway is for sure a work in progress. And so, you know, the receiving core is just hurting Baker's development. But he's handling it all exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. And those are some of the things I've been impressed with with him. And one of the other things is, is he never got any – first team reps in training camp because they really didn't want to start a rookie. They did not want a rookie playing. And then it became apparent that for whatever reason, Tyrod wasn't getting the job done early on. Baker came in off the bench, lit it up in his first appearance against the Jets, and that was it. There was no turning back. So, you know, he's gotten thrown in there, and they also have a rookie, undrafted rookie left tackle. So there's some growing pains on the offensive line, too. Sure. You know, trying to replace Joe Thomas is not an easy thing. But, you know, Justin Harrison is, he's handling it, you know, he's handling it well. It's, it's, it's a work in progress. He's got, he's had some of his growing pains, but for the most part, you know, it's not like they're talking about benching him every week. I mean, they just keep working with it and, you know, and it's progress and all that. So Defensively, though, they seem to have some talent on that side of the ball. Yeah, they do. They, they have talent on that side of the ball for sure. And for whatever reason, they just had a dud of a game against the Chargers. They just yeah. they just had a really dud of a game, and it was surprising because they've been playing teams well. I mean, they went into New Orleans. Look at the, the point total for New Orleans against everybody else is like in the 40s. And the Browns held them to 21 points and almost won that game, but they lost because their kicker missed four kicks in that game, two field goals and two extra points. That's why they lost that game. They would have beat the Saints on the road 
and Drew Brees if they had had a kicker in that game, which he, after that game, they, they cut him. You know, the, the name of the game for the defense has been takeaways. You know, they lead the league with 16 takeaways. So that's been the hallmark of the defense, but they have been exposed in the, in run defense. They're just not good in, in run defense. And, and to a certain extent, their pass defense hasn't been that great either, but they have, they have gotten away with a lot of it because of the 16 takeaways. takeaways. It's, masked, it's masked a lot of their ill. So, again, my thanks to Mary Kay Cabot. Big weekend uh, of sports, and then, of course, Sunday, Bucks and Browns. But we've also got the uh, NLCS. Game six is tonight between the Dodgers and the Brewers at Milwaukee. The Bolts begin their road trip uh, at Minnesota. They move on to Chicago after that. College football, USF is hosting UConn, which they should absolutely destroy. Yeah, you'd, no, hope, no you'd hope to see them not just, you know, come back in the fourth quarter to win this game. but No. They're, they're going to destroy UConn, I think. Florida is off. They get ready in, in a week to play Georgia, which is going to basically decide, you know, that division of the uh, Southeastern Conference. And Florida State, after a bye week, um, went through a lot, of course, you know, with the hurricane and different things. But they're going to play Wake Forest, and this will be the last, I think, non-ranked team they're going to play uh, in some time. So we've got a ton of things coming up this weekend and uh, remember now also please go see my friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds I'm telling you if you love your wife or your girlfriend why aren't you there she's worth it she's absolutely worth it and for our listeners only Andy is going to offer you a limited time 20% off all jewelry purchases that's right he's got the best prices already then you take 20% off of that you cannot fail Go see Andy and score big today with 20% off at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard Suite 150 right next to the Penthouse Club. Again, our thanks uh, for listening. We're here every Monday through Friday. And for uh, Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody.